Okay, welcome back for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana. And I know that the past few weeks I've been bombarding you with a little content, a little, a little training. And this week I have Amy, who's a graduate of mine, um, a graduate of Bold Bookkeeper Academy. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tatiana. Thank you. Um, yeah, just graduated today, actually. <laughs> yeah. And it's really great. Uh, congratulations on this accomplishment. It's not an easy exam to pass. It's not an easy course to pass. Um, and so I'm really excited to, to, to have seen the email. Um, I have an automation set up where when a student passes an exam, um, I get an email. So I issue um, a certificate, which I did. And so I'm really excited to welcome you to the graduates of the course. Um, it's a great accomplishment. And I'm really happy to have you on the show. Yeah. I'm happy to be here, especially happy to have actually passed the first time did not go as well as the second. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Amy, why don't we get started? And um, I like to give the listeners a little bit of a backstory in terms of um, who you are, where you're from, uh, where where you live, what do you, what you do. So share as much or as little as you feel comfortable. Um, but tell us uh, about this journey that you've been on. Um, and what piqued your interest kind of, um, in bookkeeping? Yeah. So, um, I'm right now, you know, as of recording, I'm 32 and I graduated from college an English major, um, which doesn't get you very much. Um, but I did it more out of passion than anything else. I love writing. Uh, that's what I spend a lot of my free time when I have it doing is just writing and reading. Um, and what got me into bookkeeping was actually my dad because he's an accountant and um, he started thinking maybe he wanted to be a math teacher, but then got into accounting. And that's kind of like where he has spent the most of his career. And so I would sometimes see him doing accounting um, at home because there's a little bit of flexibility there. Um, my mom actually does some bookkeeping work for him as well. So it's definitely something that I was exposed to. I, I really like the, the puzzle aspect of reconciling books, of finding out like exactly what went wrong, where, and then fixing it. Like, that's my favorite part. That's awesome. Um, and why did you decide to, um, you know, to, to pursue um, a certificate and bookkeeping and get better at it? And how did you find the program? Yeah, so um, it was interesting because I actually tried to get into bookkeeping a few years back. Um, and I had a really bad experience. Like I went to my dad, my, the, the book, the accountant dad. And I was like, okay, I need you to tell me things so that I don't mess things up. Um, and just like be, be my little information guy when I need it. And he was like, okay, cool. Um, first client I come in was just clean up work for the end. And, uh, she gave me all of her statements. She gave me access to her account and then never spoke to me again. Uh, I literally didn't even have the opportunity to give her the work that I had done because she just never spoke to me again. So I have no idea what happened there. And it left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. 
Um, so I kind of just like put it off to the side for a bit and uh, did the nine to five office work career thing for a while. Um, and then most recently I was like, all right, I still want to get back into bookkeeping. Like, yeah, that experience was weird and, you know, not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life, but I don't think that that's going to be my experience every time. So I started taking like um, accounting 101 classes for free online just to get myself back into the basic accounting information game. Um, and I was struggling with it a little bit because on the one hand it was familiar, but on the other hand, it felt like I wasn't really there and retaining it the way I needed to be. And that's when I saw you talking about your course on Facebook and I was like, okay, this is it. If like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this course and I'm going to get through it and I'm going to be actually ready to handle bookkeeping clients when they come in. Awesome. That's great. That's a great story. And you know what's interesting? I think I believe in two different things, and I think they don't have to be mutually exclusive, but um, sometimes I believe when something is yours or meant to be, you have to just, you know, it has to be easy or whatever. Not yeah. easy, but without the jumping through the hoops, a lot of hoops. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've, my experience in accounting was um, something similar, not, you know, not, not uh, the same story, but I took my first accounting course and um, the professor was like, it was a late class. It was like an eight, eight twenty-five to like nine forty class mm -hmm. in the evening. And I was exhausted and he was talking about his family all the time. And it was like, by the second session, I've known everything about his son and his wife and their house on Manhattan beach. And uh, it was, it was weird, you know, um, also mm -hmm. a weird experience. And so I was like, I don't know if this is meant to be, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but then, but then I got, um, like my second test, my first test, I don't remember was like 90 something. My second test was like a hundred. And I was like, Oh, maybe I know something like despite the professor. And I probably went to a total of maybe four classes, um, of his, but, um, but the second professor was mind blowing. And, and I talk about her often. She's, uh, she's phenomenal. She really inspired a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that I do and I have done and the way I've been as a student, as an accountant. Um, and so I think that sometimes you have to give it a, ch a second chance. And sometimes mm -hmm. maybe the, the universe wants to make, wants to make you think that you just have to fight for a little, for it a little bit harder, you know? So thanks for sharing that. It definitely, <laughs> definitely um, reminded me of my first experience in accounting. <laughs> um, and so uh, now, you know, now that you have finished the course today, like you finished, mm -hmm. you still have a few bonuses to go through and everything and a few um, supporting um, trainings to, to take. Mm -hmm. um, what's your plan? Like, do you plan to um, put to start positioning your profile on LinkedIn or what's your plan on pursuing clients or do you want to wait for word of mouth? What's your plan on that? Yeah. So, um, my, my first step is definitely, like you said, going through some of the extra 
modules that you have available, making sure that I'm set up as a pro advisor on QuickBooks Online. Um, and I, I am going to start advertising myself as a bookkeeper on LinkedIn. I also, um, I know sometimes it can get a little bit of a bad rep, but I'm also going to advertise services on like Craigslist, um, set up some a little something on Facebook and Instagram. I want to be as visible as possible, basically, with my services and the fact that I'm here. Um, beyond that, I'm not entirely sure. Um, awesome. That's a good start. Um, so definitely consider, you know, consider updating your profiles and putting your really strong foot forward in, uh, <clears throat> in, um, on LinkedIn. A lot of accountants look on LinkedIn because accountants are pretty much the only people probably that live on LinkedIn besides, you know, <laughs> recruiters and, um, and, um, virtual assistants and, um, other accountants. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe lawyers too. I don't know. A lot of people aren't on it, but it's definitely the right place if you're looking for accounting firms. If you're looking for small businesses, small businesses don't um, don't really live um, there as much. There are, you know, there are certainly exceptions, and I've seen them, but um, but they generally don't um, live on LinkedIn. So, but it's definitely, you know, definitely have a strong um, headshot, a um, a strong um, headline, uh, position yourself as a bookkeeper and, um, <clears throat> it will work. Um, and you know, if you're seeing conversations about it, I would uh, definitely recommend, you know, joining some groups for referrals. You've already joined the boldadvisor.com, which is the directory where accountants hire or small businesses hire bookkeepers that I've trained. Yeah. Um, I also hire sometimes or recommend my students to accountants because I, you know, um, I have a, um, network of professionals and they know what I do. They know that I teach bookkeeping. They also know that I teach a fractional CFO, um, service for accountants and high-end bookkeepers and by high-end bookkeeper it just means a little experience. So maybe in a year or two, you could um, get that skill as well and, and offer even more services. But you know, focus on what, on that, focus on what you've got, because that's enough. Mm -hmm. um, you will see that there is a little bit of a learning curve still with practice. And then that will yeah. happen with pretty much any um, skill that you get, you know, you still mm -hmm. in practice, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to feel a little different and that's normal. Uh, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, like Laura, for example, you know, I talk about her a lot because she's, um, she's, a somebody I didn't know, um, before she joined my course. Um, she joined my course, she passed, she gave me a really good feedback, just unsolicited. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, now give her some of the projects I recommend her to some of the clients. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of attraction there. I've recommended her to a CPA and CPA sometimes reach out and I send it out, um, in the, uh, circle community. Um, I basically post it. If someone is interested, I will send an introduction to the accountant or a small business owner. And so it's really, there's a lot of uh, fish out there, but, um, and small businesses don't have great bookkeepers, the majority of them. Mm -hmm. um, how do I know? Because I service them as a tax accountant and I review their bookkeeping and I find mistakes that really shouldn't exist. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, but that's the reality. Um, now, what is your goal in terms of how busy do you want to be? How many days a week do you want to work? Do you still work full time? Do you want to start it as a side business and grow it into a full blown business or what's the plan? Yeah. So right now I'm working part time. Um, I'm really lucky that I'm able to do that because I have a partner who is an HVAC and he covers a lot more bills than I do. Um, but I would like to start part time while remaining at my current job and building up to the point where I can um, very easily replace my income with bookkeeping, uh, at, which, at which point I would leave my part-time job and I would want to maintain, uh, for the most part, that part-time status. I like the freedom that it gives me to write, to um, sew, to make bath bombs and be the creative little person that I like to be. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> and so um, the next question for you is, I guess, um, what can I help you with? And we can talk about the ways to get bookkeeping experience. Um, you, we can talk about getting started in the business. We can talk about onboarding clients. What would serve you best uh, right now in this, in this um, moment? Uh, yeah, I would definitely like to know more about um, onboarding clients. Uh, both, it, you know, things that I can do to help maintain my my business and not run into a situation like I did the first time. Things that I can look out for, things that I can do for myself, but then also um, ways that I can help the small business owners and accountants feel confident that I that I'm doing what I'm say what I say I'm going to do and that I, I know what I'm doing. Awesome. Okay. So in terms of onboarding, um, onboarding implies having a system, mm-hmm. meaning that um, you have to, the goal of onboarding a client, um, the goal of the process that I guess um, is um, to create, first of all, um, a great impression, um, first impression, second impression, whatever that impression is to make your client excited about working with you. And so part of my onboarding experience um, uh, for my firm is when a client signs up and they pay the initial bill, they get um, a custom video from me uh, where I say congratulations on your decision to work with us. Um, And it's not, thank you for your business. It's not, you know, great to have you on board. It's it's congratulations because the decision to work with me um, I'm expensive, or even if you're not expensive, it doesn't really matter. But decision to work with me means a lot to me. Um, and it's a great decision. And I know that I will deliver. And um, setting that emotion, that happiness and um, upfront, um, I think is important. And so part of that for me um, is definitely the video. But it, it's much deeper than that. It's much more than that. Um, the goal of the, of the onboarding experience is to set expectations to set expectations um, for you yourself um, and put mm-hmm. them forward so that your client understands what that is. Um, let's say the expectation is, you know, we will respond to your email within 24 hours, um, um, business, 24 business hours, right? Yeah. Um, 
if that's important. Like if weekends are important, which they are to me, or evenings are important, which they are to me, mm-hmm. um, I set that as an expectation. I didn't do that all the time, meaning I didn't do that um, when I just started out, right? I didn't yeah. do it in 2005. I didn't do it up until probably 2019. But the reason I'm teaching that as a bonus in the course um, is because I've seen how impactful it is for clients, for clients to know, you know, there's something called buyer's remorse. And um, uh, what you can do is um, you can actually have a buyer's justification. And that's what that onboarding experience creates. I made the right choice that I went with this accountant because they really are happy to, to have me. They really care and they really want to to uh, to work with me and help me get to my goals, because you know for for all of us it's personal goals. Like yes, it's a business, but it all comes down to personal goals. What do I want in life? And I want to be happy, healthy, and have a good uh, lifestyle uh, on my terms. And so you know, not responding on weekends, for example, is part of that. Mm-hmm. So like my onboarding guide um, actually includes, um, I have an onboarding guide. I don't use it as much anymore simply because even though if my coach have heard, uh, would, have, would have heard it, he probably would kill me. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, n- not literally, but, yeah. but he, he definitely would have um, said something. Uh, but um, I don't use it as much anymore uh, because I set expectations verbally with the client. Um but it's, I think it's a very powerful tool. And for the first probably two years since I've gone through coaching and I've actually added that process, it doesn't add a lot to your plate, but it adds a lot of uh, value. Um, I still do the video. I just don't send the guide. But this yeah. guide is about eight, eight pages long. And um, what it does is, and I'm going to pull it up because um, <laughs> I don't remember all of it. Um, <laughs> but it's really actually, <laughs> and if you want a copy of it, you can take a look at it. Um, it's, it has old clients and stuff, but, but the idea is that there is an introduction to me, who I am, what my accolades are, whatever. And mm-hmm. for you, it's going to be your, um, you know, your certification, your, and you can enter, you know, as my, my brand recognition grows, my name brand, uh, for teaching people well, um, as it grows, you can just say, you know, taught by practicing accountant, you know, bold bookkeeper, but taught by practicing accountant or something to that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, use whatever you can use because what you've learned is what no bookkeepers learn. A lot of bookkeepers learn just doing stuff and they are not that great. And I don't hire them. Um, and CPAs curse when they hire um, somebody like that because you don't always see um, you don't always see that uh, right away. You don't always see the result. And sometimes you don't see it for years. And that's the scary part. Yeah. So you have something to, to brag about, so do it. Um, so that's what I do on my first page of the onboarding guide. Um, the second page of the onboarding guide talks about how, why we're different. So like competitive advantages. What we do, we, we are a fully, fully virtual firm. <clears throat> we are very efficient we help you become efficient. We coach you. For a bookkeeper, um, you would you don't have to add that, but because they already hired you, so it's sort of just um, again buyer's justification. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a guide like that, you can definitely um, um, send it to them. And I send it to them with a short video. Not everybody watches it. It's still kind of people still get used. Whoops! I just hit my microphone. People still get, still get used to that a little bit, but um, I think that it's 
important to consider if you ever have a physical like guide or PDF guide, it's definitely, definitely should go in inside. Okay. Um, next I, okay. Next I talk about, and this is important and I'll, um, I'll talk, I talk about, I set expectations in terms of communication. Now, um, here's the thing, like there is this code system that my, my coach has incorporated, which is perfectly fine. It works. Um, it works sometimes. I, um, don't apply it anymore to, um, VIP clients because VIP clients get priority service. So if they want to text me or call me on the weekend, they can I'm okay with that because they're paying a huge premium on the, on the price. And so, um, I'm totally fine with that. Right. And yeah. so I won't tell them, Oh, you have to email me with an emergency code or with an urgent code or non-urgent. No, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. And again, if coach would be listening to this, uh, he would kill me, but, um, but it's good to, um, try to gently do that. And for bookkeeping clients, I think it's going to be easier to get that done um, maybe you don't do it up front. Um, and you know, my clients, I do give them my cell number for emergencies only. Mm-hmm. And by saying my cell numbers for emergencies only, I'm already setting boundaries, right? Don't text me with bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of the idea, um, here, the code, I have the codes and when I send you the guide, you'll see it, but um, e is for emergencies, like red siren, you know, like red light siren, whatever, like mm-hmm. this is real emergencies. Like I need it now in bookkeeping, they almost don't exist. Generally our response policy is if it's urgent within 24 hours, um, or sooner, like generally I respond sooner. Uh, but, uh, if I'm on a deadline or whatever, which again, for bookkeeping is business is different. You will have deadlines, but not as crazy as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, then definitely, you know, look at that. If you work with a CPA, for example, or an EA, um, as a freelance bookkeeper, which I would, you know, recommend, uh, because, you know, if you're freelance, first of all, your rate is higher. And second of all, um, you actually can work on your schedule as opposed to, you know, having to deliver FaceTime, uh, for a certain number of hours a week. Um, and so that's really important. At least it was for me. It's different for everyone. But um, urgent means that it's urgent. Um, I try to get to urgent stuff, even if it comes over the weekend, which it rarely does. Uh, I try to get just a glance at it to see if that's something that's really urgent or it can wait until Monday. Yeah. Then the NU code is for non-urgent. And that's uh, when you, you know, for non-urgent stuff and even for urgent stuff, I ask for a DARB. DARB is a deadline action requested by. So the client sends you an urgent email and they say, um, I need this by end of day. Non-urgent should have that always. Others preferably um, as well. And it's really good for you to, like, let's say I, um, Tuesdays is my day for client calls. And when I'm on Tuesday speaking to clients, um, I typically, um, would have, um, would scan between the client. There's a quick minute there. I would scan the email to see if there's any emergencies first, if Mm -hmm. I can address it, or if I have a break between clients, I'm going to scan for emergencies and urgent, urgent matters. Um, again, I don't force super VIP clients to do that. I ask, um, the second and the first, um, 
package, you know, the basic package and the middle package clients to do. Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I'm not going to go crazy over that. Um, but that's where expectations are set. And just by saying that here's my cell phone number, if it's an emergency, text me. Otherwise, please send an email because I'm afraid I'm going to forget or whatever. People understand that. I still have this one client that I've explained it a hundred times. She works on Sunday. Like she like does stuff on Sunday. And so she like texts me on Sunday about stuff. And then, you know, I I don't respond. And so she emails me on. And so I respond on Monday. But setting expectations is an important part of onboarding process. And it's not just expectations of your client. You know, um, it's expectations of of you as well. um, And of your deliverables, of your work, of your quality, whatever. Um, when you're working with a small business, your expectations are going to be slightly different than with an accountant. With an accountant, I'll get, get to that in a moment, but the idea for a business is um, you set expectations about you, what you will deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, every week, I will update your books. Um, every month, I will close it and record a review video, or we can have a monthly call. Whatever their package is, yeah. you restate it in your onboarding um, thing and it's going to be like this particular one could be different so i wouldn't make it set in stone of every like of our pdf guide for example but Mm -hmm. i would definitely um reiterate what the scope of work is because um we accountants are very well known for having scope creeps which means we um sometimes get in and it actually is much more than we expected. And now we're stuck with this fee. And so there is usually, I usually um, would say to a client, to like a bookkeeping client, I would say, you know, it's a minimum of this, but here's the thing I I need to look at and see how much it will be on a weekly or I mean monthly basis um, and maybe give a range sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint a price. Uh, I mean, it's rare. It's a rare occasion for me, but for you, it's going to be um, a good safety um cushion kind of from that perspective so that you don't scope creep yourself yeah um your expectations also should include um communication expectations meaning if something is going on if you need help with something communicated immediately don't wait until last minute um uh, also communication that this relationship is a collaborative effort I do my part and I expect you to do, to do the same and we're, and I'm committed to your success. That's really it. And if you're helping them with 1099s, um, in January, great, put it in the, um, in the list of things. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're doing, it has to be clear so that there's nothing, um, there that is vague. Um, also one of the bonuses that you have in the course talks about, um, getting started in the business of bookkeeping. So definitely I will check on that and, and uh, hope, hope to really release it to you uh, within a day or two because I thought it was actually already released. We've discussed that. But that uh, document talks about and has a sample of an engagement letter. Okay. And you can tweak the engagement letter slightly. Um, I would recommend having an engagement letter for every client simply because it sets physical expectations. It tells them what you do, um, how you guard their information, because you have to understand we as accountants and bookkeepers work with uh, personal financial data. And so we have to guard it um, 
well. And that, so you will definitely have access to that. Um, so engagement letter goes first. Your first invoice goes first, um, whether it's setup fee or whatever. Uh, maybe there's cleanup fee. Both are fine. You're not supposed to be doing setup for free. Um, so don't expect that. If you're uh, you're a pro advisor, by the way. Uh, I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So once you get your pro advisor, you will get your listing. Feel free to look up my listing, um, and um, looking at the language. Actually, I haven't updated it for a few years, but um, it's still relevant. I still get leads from it, which is interesting. Um, which is awesome, which is great. I mean, I'm grateful yeah. for that, but definitely get that going. It's a really good exposure. And that mostly comes from, um, small businesses, not accounts. Okay. Um, I just recently got a client who signed up for the QuickBooks live bookkeeping, mm -hmm. scratch that probably didn't work out and then found someone like me. So, um, that's part of onboarding process, right? Your onboarding process, once the client says to you, yes, I'm going to sign up with you or whatever, send me yeah. what's needed. You have to be ready with the next steps. And those next steps will be, okay, I will send you an engagement letter. I use Adobe sign. You can do a DocuSign. They have a check mark and stuff. I, if you are starting out, see which one's cheaper. If, if Adobe sign is a lot cheaper, get that. But if it's about the same price as DocuSign, I would um, get that instead. Um, and basically have a template where you will have signature fields. It will take a little bit of time, but not a lot. You will set it up and you will tell the client, okay, you will receive an engagement letter. Once you sign it, I will send you an invoice for the first, you know, for the first, I don't know, setup fee or for the cleanup fee or both. Mm -hmm. And then we can get started and I'll, um, I'll get you onboarded within two weeks, for example. Um, this yeah. most recent client that I've hired, I've, I told him that I will get him fully onboarded within a month. And it's only been two weeks, so pretty cool. Um, the I guess the this is also part of the onboarding process. I mean, it's not onboarding yet because they're still signing, but you know, whatever. Um, and then um, I typically get them started. I get I follow my own deadlines, and um, sometimes I underestimate how much time it will take. And I, but I always communicate to the client about that. Now, if this is for a small business, um, and basically the rest of the onboarding guide uh, has my team pictures, you know, my um, my picture, my team picture, and some client testimonials. Um, to basically again, um, uh, buyer uh, buyer justification uh, to help them feel good about the decision that they've made. Yeah. Uh, when you're working with an accountant, um, you may or may not um, have an engagement letter with an accountant. Um, the accountant will most likely, if they're just outsourcing the work to you, it's one setup, then you build a client directly and have a relationship with the client directly. <clears throat> but if they're, if you're working for their clients kind of as a contractor, they most likely will ask you to sign the non-solicitation agreement, uh, which means that you cannot approach their clients and say, oh, come work with me. Okay. On your own. Um, also, the, I wouldn't expect to see a non-compete because uh, it wouldn't be fair uh, for you to non-compete with them. You, they're yeah. accountants, you're a bookkeeper. But uh, So I wouldn't expect to see that. And if you do see that, uh, then um, you have full right to refuse to sign it. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be a problem. Like Generally, when what I see um, non-compete agreements um, 
are for high level, meaning not high level, high position accountants um, in accounting firms where they're a director or a pre-partner or somewhere in between. So yeah, um, that's when you would see an uncompete. So I, if you see it, keep it, keep an eye on it. Okay, cool. So, <clears throat> um, so that's that. When you're working as a free, as an, a foreign accountant, what I would do, and it's a really good experience. So even though you probably would get a lower rate, um, with an accountant than you would if you're a small business bookkeeper, you know, just for a small business, mm-hmm. it's still a really great experience because you will get to work with a number of different clients, industries, books, condition of the books, um, ongoing work and things like that. And you always have someone to ask. And yeah. so the key here is to communicate really well to, um, not have the same street. And here's the thing. You're not, really insured against having a similar situation with an accountant. You just have to be upfront about it and inquire. And sometimes I've had the situation with one of the bookkeepers. She reached out to me and she was like, I worked with this accountant and the accountant was like, um, telling me that I've spent too much time on it and whatever. And I'm like, listen, sometimes you will work for assholes. Um, and sometimes it's not you. So why are you beating yourself up? You know that your knowledge is solid. If she wants, you know, this, this report in, in a, on a different basis, that's, you know, she should have told you that. Yes, maybe you should have asked, but, but you're still learning. You're not expected to know everything um, right when you graduate, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is something that you would need to, <clears throat> to keep in mind. And I would definitely be upfront with an accountant and say, listen, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. How do you want me to ask you that? Is it in an email? Is it a weekly phone call? Is it a... Uh, check-in session every two, three days when I, when I work on chunks of work, like how, what works best? Cause I don't want to bug you. I know you're busy, but set expectations and a way to ask questions. And also what I would do, and this is what I told this bookkeeper of mine, <clears throat> when you work with an accountant, um, also ask about deadlines. When do you need this done? And set and ask for how kind of a clarifying questions. Ask if that person has Loom videos for clients. I am a huge fan okay. of n- not sp- overspending my time. Mm-hmm. And so what I typically do is um, I um, record, I have a like a project management software. It's called Basecamp. And in Basecamp, I have a um, to-do list that's not meant to be to-do, that's not meant to be done. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, the, the threads there are with how to's. And so for every client, I have a how to. And so this way, if I need a bookkeeper to update a weekly client and I need to switch bookkeepers between clients, I can do that easily because there's a video there and I've recorded it once. I was doing it myself. I was explaining it. See if the accountant would do the same. Um, and also sometimes maybe if it's a communication by email in terms of questions, maybe record a loom video and show the accountant what you're struggling with, meaning mm-hmm. how do you want it done this way, this way, or that way, or how do you want me to find it or whatever. So it's definitely loom is not expensive. And so it's definitely a good idea to, um, to think about that. And um, definitely for the first time that you work with that um, accountant, I would recommend to ask her to review a small portion that you do um, early in the process so that yeah. if there's course correction, then you can actually implement it. That's really powerful and that's really important. 
Um, and you know, you don't want to do all the work and then find out that it's been done wrong. Yeah. Um, so, um, and also one more thing that I told this bookkeeper, um, that your first few projects with, um, and with the accountant, um, the first few projects will take you longer, but it's not the accountant's fault. It's taking you longer because you have less experience. Yeah. Um, and so the idea here is that, um, um, and I've told this bookkeeper and I've told other bookkeepers as well, and, you know, when you're spending time on learning something while you're doing it, cut down a little bit of the time so that the accountant doesn't think that you take, you know, 30 hours where actually you've spent 15 and then the other 15, you were learning how to like do a certain thing a certain way. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, and, you know, this bookkeeper actually has done that and everything, but just keep that in mind. It's really, you know, it's a really cool way because think about it this way. Let's say you spent extra five hours on something. Think about it this way. You got paid for the, for the whole thing and then you paid this person to teach you. So um, it's a really good way to look at it. Do you have any other questions that I can support you with? Oh, wow. I just took in so much information. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I guess um, if you don't mind spending a little bit more time with me, uh, if you could talk a little bit about um, – I want to know more about the – importance especially for bookkeepers like you know that specific context of uh starting your business and making sure that you have like an LLC, LLC or S corp set up for it yeah um so entities is will be uh, entity will be in your guide and training um that you will get like um very soon it's been mm -hmm. I've, I've provided the content of the designer i think she didn't do it yet that's why i don't see it but um, entity is definitely important. Um, um, I would start with an LLC because a lot of people, you know, work under their own name and it's not, it's not ideal because there's not much you can do with it. Um, meaning that you, you should have a separate business bank account. Yes, mm -hmm. you could open an EIN under your name, but limited liability company provides you with limited liability. And so that's really powerful. Um, so I would definitely, um, do that. Start with an LLC, but here's the thing. A lot of people, I used to hate LLCs. Actually, if you've listened to ever, like you ever listened to my like early podcasts, you'd probably hear me talk about like how much I hate LLCs and how much lawyers, uh, love LLCs, but I've changed my mind in the sense that it's the easiest for someone who's starting out in a, a new venture to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you have a clear path of like, I have um, clients sometimes who come to me and say, I want to start this business um, and I want to sell it in 10 years or seven years. Okay. Yeah. Then it's a different structure. And, you know, in my book, I, t I have like this matrix and this is for a one entity choice. But when you're just starting out to make it easy on your taxes, um, just start out with an LLC. LLC can be converted to other things. Um, you know, there's everybody talks about S corps. Um, they're great, but, um, you would have to, 
you could convert it late in the year, like not too late. Like I'd say October probably would be the latest. I mean, you could probably get away with um, like December conversion. I've done it once, but um, it's there's always what if it doesn't go through. Like it screws up the whole thing, which is dead, you know? Yeah. So um, if you're at a point where you're making 75,000, uh, 50 to 75,000 uh, net uh, from the business, then that year, and you were like, okay, you're in June, you're looking at your income, and you're like, I'm at about 40. So um, that means I will definitely um, reach 50, 55, maybe 60 this year. Then reach out to someone who can convert it potentially to an S-corp. That's, that could be a really good option. A lot of the conversions happen like that. And then there will be things that you would need to do. So it's not like just, you just need to file a form. You have to also, you'll have to um, start payroll for yourself and all kinds of things. So, and it would make sense tax wise, and it's a separate tax return. So you'll have to pay for it. But at that 50 to $75,000 mark, it starts to make financial sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, definitely worth having an LLC, having a business bank account, um, under the LLC name, keeping only business expenses and income uh, going through that account. And then if you need money, you would just do a transfer, which is considered a draw. Mm-hmm. So definitely keeping your own QuickBooks. And if you're becoming a pro advisor, you will, you would gil- give, get your free QuickBooks online subscription anyway. So why not just um, use it uh, for your own business? Yeah. And this way you can advertise it and have free books for yourself and manage your own free, your own books um, already. That's already a physical experience. And if, and if you're, when you have to pay for something for your business, what I would advise is um, transfer money into your business account from your personal and then pay out of business. That's the easiest and the cleanest way to do stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't think I have any more questions, honestly. Uh, if there was anything else that you wanted to go over with me in the episode, I'd be more than happy to stay with you, but I definitely feel like I got a lot out of this. Awesome. I mean, I think I've shared enough to give you food for thought and to get you going and we can Mm -hmm. talk about more offline, but Um, You know, I've told Laura this before Laura was on this podcast and I interviewed her. Don't, don't stress out about niching down yet. Give yourself time to really find what kind of people you like to work with. What kind of industries are interesting for you? Because it will take time. You won't be able to do it now. You won't have worked now um, to be able to pull that off. So to be able to figure out, oh, I really like working with designers or whatever. So give Mm -hmm. yourself some time on that. And sometimes not niching down is also an option, which is great. Like that's how I approach it. It's not, it's not for everyone. Everyone is different. Some people swear by niching down. Some people don't. And I'm one of those who doesn't. And I'm okay with that. So definitely don't stress out about it. But, you know, be firm and don't necessarily take, um, take it personal. Sometimes you will come across assholes. There are people like that. it's supposed to be a clean podcast, but you know, um, (laughs) 
but it's the truth of life. You will um, come come across people who are not decent, and sometimes it's not about you. So don't beat yourself up just because you have um, less experience than than somebody else. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, sometimes experience means a lot, but in bookkeeping, uh, experience alone is not enough. You have to have the foundational knowledge which you just got. So yeah. I want to wish you good luck. And, you know, if you need anything, definitely always, you know, you can reach out to me and I'll support you in any way I can. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Awesome, Amy. It was really a great pleasure to have you on this show. Um, And I enjoyed our conversation. I hope that you've gotten good, uh, good information from me so that you can keep going and keep growing your business. And um, I can't wait to see your success. Yay. Awesome. And so I'll see everyone. I'll hear everyone next week for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana.